Parenting is work, like a lot of work, and it can be easy to feel like no one understands. Well, as a mom of four, including two newborn twins, <laughs> I'm here to tell you that at the end of the day, we're all figuring it out as we go. You are not alone. I'm Summer Shepherd, and this is, no, seriously, how do I do this? So, how are the New Year's resolutions going? Okay. All right, if you're still on it, it is just past two weeks into the new year. Good for you. 70% of people give up on their New Year's resolutions by this time. I think that's true. I think that's the right statistic. But, you know, 94% of statistics are made up right on the spot. So who can say? Uh, but one of the New Year's resolutions that you hear more and more often, person after person, year after year, is I want to get healthy. Right? Maybe that's on your list. I got to tell you, it's on my list. It is always on my list and it's going to be on my list every year until I die because for whatever reason, I just have never quite gotten there. But you know what I never think to include on my list is get my kids more active. Maybe that makes me a selfish parent. But if you were to look at your list, is that on there? Help my kids be more physically active in their day to day. Well, here's the thing. There's a lot that I took for granted pre-COVID. But now my kids are home all the time. And so their activity level depends on me. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not so great at it. My kids are big fans of television. And as much as I don't want them in front of the television, tell me if this sounds familiar to you. Mommy, can we watch something? I don't know, guys. I don't, I'd, ra I'd rather you guys go play. Can you go play? I, I don't, I, just, can you, can you guys go play in your room? I mean, you got so many toys for Christmas. Can you please just go play? Okay, okay, fine, fine. I got to take care of the babies. Whatever, just, okay, fine. Oh, yeah. I did awesome. I'm like, I'm like so in charge of stuff. <laughs> Can't you tell? I'm the leader in my household. The kids know who's boss. Yeah, right. But I, if I'm being honest, have got to admit that my kids watch way more television than I'd like them to. And they like to play with their active toys sometimes, but there is not a lot of structure. There's not a lot of strategy. There's not a lot of consistency. And if you find yourself in that place too, man, you're in good company. But that's why I'm so excited for today's guest because she's here to help us, to inspire us, to give us some ideas, and to remind us of why it's important to move in the first place. Julie Wattenberg is a pediatric physical therapist. She is the founder of Babies First Fitness, and she is a group fitness instructor herself. This woman is always on the move, and somehow so are her kids. I'm excited to learn from Julie. I hope you are as well, and I hope you're blessed. Okay, so as we, as we get started, Julie, I mentioned that you are a pediatric physical therapist. So what does that mean, though? What does your day-to-day -day end up looking like for you? So as a pediatric therapist, I see kids who are anywhere from 0 to 18 years old, and they have developmental delays, typically. So they are diagnosed with, say, Down syndrome or another genetic disorder, 
or they're delayed and we don't really know what's going on with them. So maybe they didn't hold their head up at three months and uh, the doctor noticed that. So they made a referral for physical therapy to help with head control, trunk strength, um, and to progress their gross motor skills. Um, other kids, um, maybe they aren't referred until five when they're seen as what might be called discoordinated or uncoordinated. They're unable to do a jumping jack. They're unable to skip. They're unable to stand on one leg. Sometimes we don't see kids till much later when they're starting to be in sports and they are, again, seeming to be a little bit less coordinated and they're not able to keep up with um, hitting a ball or dribbling a ball or something like that. And there might be some eye-hand coordination type things going on. So um, my day-to-day looks like I basically come into someone's house. I do see patients in people's homes. I go into someone's house and I see um, how the family is living in their house and how they're, what kind of toys, what kinds of activities we can do with, with the equipment that they have in their own home and uh, teach the parents how to do exercises with their children um, in their own home, which is one of the greatest values of being there in their home versus in a clinic. Mm. So I, I have to say, though, I guess I always just kind of assumed that there were clumsy kids. So you're saying like a, a quote unquote clumsy kid could actually be a bigger issue that needs to be addressed in your line of work. Yeah, it absolutely can. Um, there are some kids who are who are less coordinated than others, but if some of the those core things like being able to stand on one leg, if that's very very difficult, or doing a jumping jack, if that's very very difficult, or um, hopping uh, on one foot, um, coordinating a hopscotch. Uh, those types of things are things that would be expected that kids can do. And sometimes you need some one-on-one experienced motor planning or teaching the child how to do that activity, or you need someone who's really experienced who can really identify what is the issue. Is it core strength? Is it that they don't know how to rotate across midline because of strength or visual issues? Is it that their outer thighs are weak or their hips or... Uh, you know, obviously a physical therapist would do a full evaluation to decide or determine what is the the actual problem. Um, There's many issues that could lead to discoordination. So have you seen kids kind of come 180 from situations like that where they've really been able to improve and the trajectory of their life looks different after getting treatment? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the benefit of my job is no matter what I give to anyone, it's always better than what they had before. Mm. So it's a little different than with adults. Sometimes they lose some abilities and you have to regain them to an acceptable function level. Um, for, For pediatrics, it's very different. Everything that I give anyone, they're going to help their life in some way. It depends on what the goal is. If a child is trying to participate in gym class, some one-on-one exposure to how to catch a ball, how to throw a ball, how to kick a ball, how to do a jumping jack, how to do a burpee, how to do a plank, getting the core strength to do that, getting the timing of the muscles to to get everything going absolutely um, could progress them to be able to participate in that gym class with everyone else, which is always the goal. Now, talking about gym class in this day and age that we're living in right now, we're still here in the midst of a pandemic. And so my daughter, for example, is back in school 
partial days, a couple days a week, but those gym class type activities are missing now from the curriculum. It wasn't prioritized. Have you seen or or do you believe that this age we're living in is making things harder for kids? Are you witnessing that, the, the limited activity? Uh, I think with my own kids, I'm seeing it, but I do also think I'm seeing it with the population that I work for. Unfortunately, uh, we're not getting the referrals that we have been getting in the past because uh, people aren't going to their doctors as much or they're saying, well, we'll try that next year. Um, I think in the next coming year in 2021, I'm guessing we're going to see a lot more referrals where people are concerned for their kids' strength and motivation because of this more sedentary life that we've been living. Um, Even, you know, the kids have been missing out on their sports that they normally were doing and it was keeping them active. It was keeping them strong. And if you have are living with a family that is less active, that doesn't prioritize movement or not even prioritize, but just even put it on the list of something to do, I can see that that would be a struggle for trying to get kids to move in the coming year. Well, I think that that is so important to tackle now. It's January. We're all looking at our New Year's resolutions. And I know that when I write my New Year's resolutions list, I admittedly, think about myself and all of the things that I want to include. And that often involves more movement, more exercise, prioritizing health. But I don't always think of my kids for that. I think part of me takes for granted that they're kids, they're active, et cetera. But I have been seeing that as well lately, that it does require a little extra work when you can't expect that your kid's going to have gym class at school or is going to be able to run outside with their friends. And so If we want to focus on the goal of raising active kids in this new year, in the world that we're living in, what are some things that we can do to stay ahead of the sedentary? Simple things at home. I think the first thing is to just start with being present. And I think that as a mom, as a parent, I think it is the hardest thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Being present, being there, and noticing when your kids want to be active and they want to be playful and seeing, okay, I'm going to have to put this aside, this thing that I'm doing right now, the dishes, the the meal for a minute, and take that moment to, okay, all my kids or some of my kids or one of my kids wants to be active and playful. Let me make up a game. Let me make up, let's grab some tape and place X's on the floor and have them jump from X to X to X to X. Let's grab some plates some paper plates and have them go in a bear crawl position and push it around the house. Um, Let's grab some cups and let me lift up their legs and we'll, you know, do wheelbarrow walks to knock over the cups. Mm -hmm. Um, So being present, but being playful. So be playful, be fun. Think like a kid, think out of the box. You know, how, how could I grab a bunch of cereal boxes and make this fun. There's a lot of ways I can make that fun. And one of the things that I love about working in people's homes is I look at things differently. I look at a pillow as an unstable surface to squat, to stand and with a puzzle. Um, I look at a pillow as um, an option to jump from one thing to another. Um, So I think being being present and, and being willing to put your thing aside for that moment when your kids want to be active and take advantage of that moment, being playful. And then um, I think 
if your kids aren't active and it's uh, something that you need to work toward, then just setting a time aside and saying, okay, this is a family activity time and including yourself in that, um, saying, you know, we, we're all going to do this together. And your kids, they want to play with you. They want to be with you. So if, if everyone's going to do it together, they're going to they're gonna want to join in as well. I can't tell you how many times my kids ask for family exercise night. And even myself, I'm sometimes like, oh, I already exercised today. <laughs> but, you know, so I'll do it. And we all end up having a great time. And I think that is always, I think it's always a reminder. And, and it's, it's, it's a huge reminder when you, you don't want to do it. You might have some other things to do. But then you do do that, those playful, those fun things with your kids. And you feel that reward and with that laughter and that fun and that connection and um, it's just a reminder to, oh, yeah, I was supposed to do this. I was supposed to connect and I'm supposed to do it again. It is such an important reminder. I think especially now with so many of us, well, stuck home with our kids all the time. There's so many more limits on the activities that maybe we had counted on before that, at least for us, we have now a family of six with the twins in a pretty small space and it can feel very overwhelming, the noise and the kids running around and, and they want to play. But for us, it just feels like stress when we're trying to stay on top of the messes and we're trying to get food ready. And now we've doubled our kid count in the last four months and it just feels so big. But to realize that it's OK to have a messy kitchen, it's OK to let that project go, that prioritizing play is important. And I love that, Julie, what you said. It's it, You realize how much you need it and how much you enjoy it when you just let yourself go. My mom got our girls for Christmas this. Well, it's like a pull-up bar that goes in the doorway, but it has all these attachments so they can have swings or a rope ladder or rings or trapeze or like a Tarzan rope type thing. And they want to play with it every day. But you better believe as soon as they get bored and do something else, I'm on that swing. <laughs> it's like, this is why I had kids. So I could... I could play with all their toys. And yet we don't give ourselves permission to play That's right. nearly as much as we should. And, it, and it's good for us too. So Julie, tell me about your kids. So you've mentioned them. Uh, how many names, ages, and what kinds of activities do they seem to connect with? So I have three kids. Um, Zachary is my oldest. He's 10. Um, he, since he was three years old, he has not played with toys. He just plays with balls always a ball. He's been dribbling a ball. He was making shots since he was two. Um, he plays football all the time. He plays baseball all the time. So he really has not. So he connects with being active In sports. Uh, completely. And that is his identity. It's yes. His identity is he is a sports guy. Um, so it's not hard to get him active. He often will organize going to the park with his friends, even during this COVID time, even today, he, uh, it's snowing outside, it's 32 degrees, but he got five kids together to go to the park outside and play a football game. So that's definitely his identity. My middle one is Bradley. He's nine. And he is my most sedentary guy. He loves video games. He loves Minecraft. He identifies with being smart. And um, mm. unfortunately, that sometimes um, means that he's a little bit more cerebral um, and a little bit less active. When I get him active, um, he really enjoys um, swings. He enjoys 
he enjoys being very playful and very silly. He enjoys gymnastics. Um, he, he does enjoy basketball. Um, when you have a really elite athlete as a brother, sometimes it's a little hard. <laughs> so he, uh, he knows that he doesn't feel like he can rise to that level. Um, so we just keep trying to encourage him to practice. Um, I personally, because I am a therapist, I do have a lot of things in my basement that are very active. So I have a lot of swing things. I have a, a lot of um, scooters. I always prioritize buying active presents versus buying video games for sure. So for him, I'm always trying to get him to to move and try something different, try something new. Um, he also loves the park. He just is, he's kind of a monkey. And then my last is Jenna. She is six and she is into dance. She's into gymnastics. She's into, um, just the park, you know, just the regular play. Um, unfortunately she hasn't been in dance lately, but, um, of course, like I've said with my basement, um, we got her, I got her a yoga swing. And so she's been kind of practicing kind of some of these fun little yoga-esque dancey type moves on that. And, you know, just kind of finding something that she is interested and willing to do. So doing a lot of body weight stuff. Again, I'm not telling her what to do. She's just enjoying it. Okay. So it sounds like there's a few things that have overlapped with your kids, the playground, going to the park, um, you know, maybe some basketball for your boys, but I, there is way more that is unique to your kids than is the same. And so are there other things that you have really leveraged to get your kids active together. Um, you know, maybe it's not sports cause your middle one and your younger one aren't necessarily connecting with that. The boys probably aren't connecting with dance. What are some of those things beyond the park that they all just seem to really enjoy? going for walks and going, um, taking our, our puppies out and doing things outside, um, sledding. Uh, that's always a big thing right now in the winter. Mm -hmm. They all love that. Um, walking up and down that hill is great. <laughs> <laughs> we actually have a great park by us that has a dog park and a sled hill. So it is like the best family activity for us. Um, they enjoy, they all do enjoy the, um, the movie, the moving type thing. So bike rides and, uh, the skateboards that we've gotten and, uh, the rollerblades. So they do all enjoy that together. Um, that was kind of a goal of mine this year for sure was to find things that we could all do together. Um, and when you have a six-year-old, um, anyone listening would totally understand once that last one turns six and they can all ride their bike without training wheels, it is life-changing because you can now take all of your bikes and you can go anywhere to any forest preserve and take these nice, beautiful, long bike rides and, um, as a family. And it's, it's really connecting for everyone and everyone can do it. Everyone can participate. So it's a, it's a nice family movement activity for sure. Okay. So bike riding thing. I'm going to pick your brain here for a second because um, you're like a captive audience. So I have a five-year-old who has a balance bike, who has a big girl bike, who has like push scooters so that she can learn to balance and she just has no interest in them. And I have dreamed of family bike rides since before I ever had children. And I cannot seem to get her to learn because she just doesn't want to. She'd much rather play with the sidewalk jock and draw pictures. That's who she is. So how do you encourage kids who maybe aren't connecting with certain activities to explore them, to not be fearful, to pick themselves up if they've fallen down, et cetera? 
it really depends on what what's going on, right? Is she is she fear is she not trying it because she's fearful? Is she not trying it because she doesn't feel strong enough in her core in her trunk? So, um, you know, working on activities that would challenge that core. So sitting on like a stability ball or a balance ball, and you know, even if she's coloring, sitting on a balance ball, and you know, just trying to see if she can kind of just strengthen her core and be okay with those little balance shifts, because that's what usually the fear is, is those little tiny balance shifts where you have to react with your trunk. Um, so that would be the first thing that I would try. Um, I would try to do a lot of balance type things like standing on, uh, pillows and, and doing, you know, squat to stand type stuff. Um, a lot of single leg standing stuff. So hopping or, um, hopscotch type stuff. If she really likes the sidewalk chalk, well, let's make it and then let's do it. Mm -hmm. You know, let's make it, you know, anything. Or I actually do a lot of obstacle courses with sidewalk chalk. So let's make a curvy line and let's walk sideways on that curvy line. And then let's do a straight line and let's do a bear crawl on that line. And then let's make X's and let's do frog jumps on those X's. And then let's, um, uh, get, get to the grass and roll down the hill, you know, so all of these are fun and they're still kind of integrating the things that she likes with the sidewalk chalk, but then getting a little bit more core strength and activity in it. Um, I'm guessing it's probably uh, the core strength or the, the balance weight shift. So using uh, the, you know, the, the stability ball would be helpful. And I think there has been times where she's probably, you know, wiped out mm-hmm. and just doesn't want to do that again. And, yeah. and so she's just like, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. You know, I'll walk. Yeah. <laughs> so it breaks my heart because I want my little girl to ride a bike. Yeah. But she just hasn't been there yet. And then I think it's really hard for us parents to compare, to see, okay, well, my daughter's five. She's going to be six in March. And these kids down the street, they're much younger and look at them fly by on their bikes yeah. and feel like we are really failing as parents. I feel like even if it's not reasonable, that is a weight that a lot of us as parents carry when it comes to our kids and their milestones or their abilities is is looking around and just blaming ourselves for that. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's something that I deal with with parents all the time. And, you know, uh, I'll go into a house and someone will say, well, I just, I never put them on their tummy. This must be my fault. I, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. And, and what I, I always say is we parent the child that we were given. So you were parenting the child that you were given and that baby always gave you a sign and a reason that they didn't like this, that, or the other. And usually as a, a, a careful parent, um, you, you were responding to those cues and maybe it was their tummy was hurting so bad that they couldn't go on their, t- on their stomach. You know, maybe it's because their head was always turned to one side and so they couldn't look to the other side. So they couldn't really engage in the world. And that's why they didn't like their tummy or they couldn't do X, Y, or Z. And so I, I like to tell parents, you, you parented the child perfectly. Now let me kind of slowly integrate some of those things that will be helpful to expand their world in a way that's safe and comfortable and um, encouraging for both the parent and the child. That doesn't always mean that it's easy mm-hmm. <laughs> at all for either of them, but um, at least I can give the parent and the child some confidence in these new skills that either giving the parent confidence that they have to try 
um, you know, well, we have to do this for five minutes or giving the child some confidence and some skills that, oh, look, this, you did, you were on your tummy for this long and look, we were able to reach for a toy and kind of that was fun. Okay. So we're talking about babies and, and tummy time and all of that. I think that is just a hot topic I see on all of these mom groups that I'm on or people are like, look, I just, I can't do the tummy time. My kid screams and I can't take it. They hate tummy time. They won't let me do it. So, okay. Tummy time is the issue. I feel like with little kids, when should we be doing that? How often should we be doing that? What kind of activities should we, or could we be introducing to little squishy babies? All right. So I used to be the, uh, trainer for the doctors, uh, the, the new residents at, um, the hospital that I worked at. So within the first week, usually the residents come in in July and by like week one, here comes this pediatric physical therapist who's going to rock their world and basically tell them they don't know much. (laughs) So, um, but one of my big questions is I say to these new residents and these residents were family practice residents, I would say what age should we tell the parents that they should start putting their baby on their tummy? And I would get, I would get, and this is from medical professional, um, I would get, you know, oh, two months, six months, six weeks, when their umbilical cord falls off, all these things. It's actually day one, day one. The baby should be on their tummy day one. It is absolutely normal, expected that, of course, you're going to do skin to skin the day that the baby's born, right? The baby has reflexes that they are able to lift and turn their head and clear their airway. That is a reflex for a baby. So if their head comes down on the surface, they are able to lift and turn their head. Now, let me be clear. There are some exceptions. There are some children who can't do that. And we need to be very concerned for those children. Um, but that is a reflex. A baby, actually, when you put a baby on a mommy's tummy, any, any actually mom who, who's recently had a baby knows this, that the baby actually knows how to crawl up the tummy instinctively and find the breast. That's their will to survive right there. So it is, it's totally fine to put a baby on their tummy right away. Usually what I say is by three months, a baby should be on their tummy for at least 30 minutes a day. That doesn't mean 30 minutes all at once. You could do three minutes, 10 times a day. You can do five minutes, six times a day. Don't check my math. You can do 10 minutes <laughs> I think you're right. three times a day. So you can, you can break that up. Can you tolerate three minutes or can you do two, two minutes, 15 times a day? There right? you go. You got it. Girl, you good. <laughs> um, I'm a therapist, not a mathematician. Um, anyway, so the, um, whatever you can tolerate. Sometimes I'll tell parents, you know, when you put the, your baby on their tummy, do it right before they eat. They're crabby anyway. Sometimes, you know, that, that lifting and turning of the head happens a little bit better when we're a little bit fussier. If you think about, you know, when those of us who are older, we used to sleep on our tummies when we were babies, we lifted and turned our heads for anywhere between two and five minutes before our parents came to get us. And that's okay if there's a little bit of fussing when the baby's on their tummy and they're struggling a little bit because it is hard. Um, but tummy time is incredibly important. It lengthens all the muscles of the front of the body. When a baby's born, they're really scrunched up and adorable, but we do need to go through a process of lengthening all those muscles and being on your tummy is one of those ways. But 30 minutes by three months, 60 minutes by six months. And the truth is 
by six months and seven months, your baby really should not play on their back at all. It's, it should be, they shouldn't want to, they should have the strength to be either on, in, on their tummy or in sitting. I know this is something that you are very passionate about. You actually started something called Babies First Fitness. Um, so tell us about that. So it's a, it's a website that I started um, because I was really feeling that I think that the families that I see have a huge advantage because someone comes, I come into their house every week and I tell them, I give them strategies on how they can progress their baby that week. And I know that there is a really big desire and want for other parents besides the parents whose kids are in therapy to have some kind of direction and some mm. kind of understanding for, well, what else can I do? You know, again, I think probably some of those ideas that I came up with that I rattled off the top of my head when I was talking about, you know, using cups and plates and pillows and things like that, people are like, oh, I want someone to tell me those ideas too. <laughs> like, why can't I think of that? You know, but that's of course, 20 years of experience of playing with kids, being playful, being present and um, making a time and a space to do activity. Um, so that's kind of where that it, it came from was just, I wanted people who aren't in, um, the therapy space to be able to have ideas to do with their kids as well. Um, also I think there are other people who are searching, they're concerned about their child and they're searching for ways that they can help their, their children. And this would be kind of a gateway to, do we need therapy or do we just need a little bit more tummy time? Sure. Okay. So what do you suggest for someone who's listening right now, they're like, well, I wouldn't say my kid has limitations where they're in a place where they need therapy, but I got to tell you, it is like pulling teeth to get my kid to put the tablet down, the phone down, to step away from the video games, to get active at all. And I've never made them in the past. Mm -hmm. We've never had a lifestyle that is active and I want to start. I don't think they're going to take me seriously. What is a baby step a family could do? How can they start? I think it's just, you know, what we talked about before is just making that time and space. So if the being present and being playful isn't working because they're never ready to move, then it's just making a time and a space for it. Just saying, hey, everyone at this particular time, we're going to go for a walk or at this particular time, we're going to play this active game or we're going to go for a bike ride, or we're going to go sledding, or we're going to go to the park and have a, um, you know, snowball fight. But don't let the snow be a deterrent necessarily, especially if it's 32. Oh my gosh, snow in 32 is like perfect weather mm -hmm. to, to exercise, to move in. Just walking through the snow is a lot of hard work. Kids do enjoy being with their parents. And I think sometimes we don't want to disrupt because they're being quiet and they're letting us get stuff done, but they do want to connect. And I think just, just like with adults, starting with a walk is a really nice way. So it's never too early to get started. You're saying day one, you can be putting your baby on their tummy. Is it ever too late? Like when you have teenagers, I mean, maybe they're not going to be as interested in going to the park, but how can you still try to engage with them while they're under your roof? Well, I think that's a little that's a, a little trickier, of course, but certainly not something that can't happen. Um, maybe you need to have a conversation with your son or daughter about something that's happening in school, and you just encourage them to take a walk with you, even if they only make it, you know, halfway around the pond with you, and then you guys sit and have the rest of the conversation. At least you were able to get them moving a little bit. I think everything starts with a walk. Yeah, well, no, I think that's important because. 
I don't know that we always consider that as counting, you know, that it's, well, does a walk even really count? Because when we are, you know, working so hard toward these fitness resolutions, you know, we're trying to make time to go to the gym. We're trying to sign up with those personal trainers and get our sweat on. And so walking just, it feels inefficient. It feels Hmm. lazy. It feels like it's not enough, but you're saying, you know what? No, even just walking is a win. Absolutely. It, It is a win. And the walking and the connection with the person that you're with, you know, moving your body, connecting with someone and then seeing how that made them feel like, oh, I moved my body. I connected with my mom and oh, that was kind of nice. I might want to spend a little bit more time with that person again, doing that same thing again. But I think that is so much a part of it is that the benefit of movement and exercise isn't necessarily just the calorie burning or the muscle strengthening. It's just how alive you feel. For me, when I am drinking enough water, getting enough sleep, exercising enough and reading my Bible regularly, I feel awesome. And yet all four of those things are so hard for me to grab onto in the midst of them. I'm like, why don't I do this all the time? The four probably best things for me. And so I loved that example of how by taking a walk with your kid, you're not only helping them move their body, but you're forging a relationship that's going to count by getting out in nature. You're not just breathing fresh air. But I know for me, when I'm out in nature, that's when I feel closest to God. And and there's so many more benefits just getting out and exploring the world that we're in. And so Julie, I, I love that you're here. I love your ideas. What we're going to do is we're going to film some videos. And so if you're not already on the No Seriously, How Do I Do This Facebook page, you're going to want to jump over there because I have kids amongst a variety of age ranges. And so Julie is going to show us some ideas of things you can do with your kids inside the house to keep them engaged and active, even during the winter. So again, visit us on Facebook if you want to see those. And Julie, I'm personally and selfishly very excited for those examples. (laughs) Um, But is there anything else that you want to share for that person who doesn't even understand why this matters? What would you say? Oh, there's a lot. Um, why why does movement matter? I think movement matters because it allows us to disconnect from this digital world that we're living right now. Um, and it allows us to connect with each other. I would think about this movement goal that you might have for your family this year as, as a, another expression of connecting with your family and being more playful and more fun. And doing that, not just through sedentary sitting games, but doing that through, you know, playful, fun, um, maybe even loud experiences with each other. Loud experiences. I feel like I have a lot of those every day, but being intentional about them could make all the difference. And hey, when you exercise, I don't know the science, endorphins and stuff, stress release. And I think we all could use a little stress relief these days. So Julie, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being here and sharing your wisdom. And again, if you want to take a look at those videos, they're going to be at the No Seriously, How Do I Do This Facebook page. Thank you. My hope and prayer with this podcast is that you never walk away from an episode thinking that you failed, like it's too late to make a difference. Man, I shoulda, coulda, woulda done this with my kids and I didn't and now it's done. I hope you heard from Julie there that that's not the case. It's never too late. Sometimes it just starts with a walk. And as long as your kids are under your roof, you have some semblance of control, right? I mean, we hope that ideally. And even if they're not, it's never too late 
to set an example for our kids. Okay, I'm 34 years old. I've been out of the house for a long time, but my mom, she just started walking and she's taking it real seriously. And in an effort to support her, I started taking walking more seriously. My mom is still influencing me. It is never too late. What is one thing? What's one thing, like Julie said, what is one thing you could incorporate in your day? We did film some really cute videos with Julie, with the twins, with my older two, and they are available on our Facebook page. And so if you want some practical ideas of ways that you can incorporate fun into your movement strategy for your kids, go watch those videos. They're waiting for you on Facebook. Bite size, three ideas in each video over at the No Seriously, How Do I Do This Facebook page. Make sure to like our page. Make sure to follow along so you never miss out on opportunities like this. And as Julie mentioned, babiesfirstfitness.com. Lots of free ideas there as well. So we're two weeks into the new year. Maybe this wasn't on your list of resolutions at first. Maybe your new year hasn't been perfect. Your strategies have already gone askew. Hey, a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Let today be your first step. It's a first step for me too. And I can't wait to go on this journey with you. If you need more support, if you have questions, or if you just want to reach out, as always, summer at seriouslyhow.com or join us on Facebook. Search for No Seriously, How Do I Do This at facebook.com. You are loved and you're not alone. 